Good morning, everybody, and happy Father's Day, guys. The role that you play in your kids' lives is so important, and I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Hey, as many of you know, we started a new series called Majoring in the Minors last week, and our plan was to preach that all summer long. My family and I got away on a trip this past week, and the plan was for me to fly back on Saturday to be with you guys today to continue that series. Well, we were spending time with some friends, and one of those friends, his name is Heath, he told me he was going to be in Illinois and would love to come over and preach for me. So we called an audible. And so Heath is going to be with you guys this morning. Now Heath is one of my best friends. We were in each other's weddings. Uh, we went through undergrad and seminary together. He's a really great guy. Loves his wife and kids well. And so I'm excited for you guys to get to hear a message from Heath this morning. So would you do me a favor? And as he makes his way to the stage, would you give him a warm New Hope welcome? <clears throat> So can you all keep a secret? <clears throat> Some of you are smiling like, great, the guy's got something on Robbie he's going to share with us. But I found out a long time ago that sharing secrets and sermons doesn't work out very good at all. Um, <clears throat> so my wife is in the audience. I can't remember why I thought it was a perfect illustration, but at the time, it was a perfect illustration. It was just something that I had never shared with her. And so I'm in the middle of preaching and sharing this story, and I work concrete, and so I wake up very early. And so being a kind, respectable, loving husband, when my wife doesn't wake up at 5 a.m., and I do, I try to do my best to be, you know, like quiet, not a lot of lights and stuff. Well, you know, the phones now, when you hit the button, like you're afraid your neighbors are going to wake up, right? Like, but back in the day, you do that little flip phone thing and you had to get really down close to see like what, what it was that you were trying to light up. And so I would be in the bathroom trying to, you know, get ready to go to work. And so I would use the light and grab my toothbrush. Well, on a few occasions, I would be brushing my teeth and realize that the sensation of this toothbrush just seemed a little different than what I was used to. And so I would finish brushing my teeth and I would go to put the toothbrush back in my spot where it goes in the little holder, but that spot was occupied by my toothbrush because I had been using my wife's toothbrush that morning to brush my teeth. And so, being the loving, kind husband I was, I just kindly shook it off, right, and returned it to her spot so it would be there for her in the morning when she got up. And so I'm sharing this story, realizing I've never shared it with my wife, and I'm looking across the audience and sharing it, and her face is just this, like, you've got to be kidding me look. You know, guys, when you get that from your wife, like, you've got to be kidding me. And so after, she's like, it was, you were joking, right? Like, you... You threw it away after you used my toothbrush. You didn't think, well, how did I know if you had another one in the pantry or something? It only happened a few, five, ten times, you know, <laughs> over the years. It's not that big of a deal, right? So, needless to say, uh, sharing secrets and sermons doesn't work out so well all the time. But I do have a few things that one of them you know is not a secret. Uh, this church uh, is blessed with, with two phenomenal men of God who, who share God's word on a regular basis. Um, and I'm in Florida, and I often watch sermons uh, from both of your ministers, um, and I'm blessed by them. But there, there is something I have to share with you that happened this past week. Um, you guys, probably like me, hear Rob during, like right after Christmas time, for whatever reason, he goes into this whole, like, I'm a Florida guy, you know, and it's just, 
It's so cold here, you know, and he, 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 how many, have you heard that, right? All the time from like, from January to whenever it gets warm enough for him to go outside for, you know, multiple days on end. And he just whines and goes on and on about being this Florida boy. So he's down in Orlando this past week and I meet up with him. Um, I'm trying to give him all the ins and outs. My, my wife and I are season pass holders to Disney because we live like 20 minutes away. And so we're right there. So I'm trying to give him all the ins and outs for their little short trip to Disney. And so I'm trying to let him know like all the secrets, how to work it, you know, and by the end of it, him and Sarah are telling me like, you should go into business for this. Like you, so I'm, I'm working construction down there the other day and it's 11 o'clock in the morning still not bad. You know, I've, I've poured out a few concrete trucks and so I've got a second. So I go over and I text Rob and I'm like, Hey, later on, when it gets, you know, if it gets warm later on and the afternoon's thunderstorms don't come in yet, if it gets really hot, here are some tricks at Disney for, for where you can go and beat the heat and the kids will enjoy it, you know, and different stuff. So I'm trying to share with them all the little things. I'm like, a lot of people don't know that at, at Dumbo, you know, you can take the kids in there. It's an indoor playground area and you can, you can just sit down for a little bit and catch your breath. And so I was like, you know, later on, those are things to keep in your back pocket. It's 11 o'clock. He's like, Heath, man, it's so hot. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm dying. I'm like, Rob, are you kidding me right now? I was like, you're the Florida guy, right? Like, that, that can take the heat all the time, but those Indiana winters are just so... So from now on, please do me a favor. I can't do it when I'm down in Florida. When he starts whining about being this Florida boy, just please hold him accountable that he's, you know, not as Florida tough as, as he claims to be. Um, but, but in all seriousness, can you keep a secret. Now, now, some of you already shook your head. I already saw you. And you know, like, why are you looking at him? Like, no. Like, you, like, some of you already know. Like, there's no way you can keep a secret. Some of you guys, like, you've got that fishing spot that you've, you know, been able to keep or the hunting spot. You don't share with anybody, you know. It's like, it's like rite of passage. You have to be, or, or women, it's like a recipe that you, you, like, you're holding near and dear because there's somebody else bring it to the potluck, right? Like, you're not sharing it with anybody, right? But, but there are some things that, that we do go and keep it. But secrets are hard to keep. I think I'm pretty good at keeping secrets. But they're not always easy. Some friends of ours years ago were, were expecting their first baby. And so you know how it is with the first baby. You know, everybody's excited. They have, a, they have a large family. And so they found out they were having a boy. And they knew the boy. You know, they, they didn't do the whole gender reveal party. Like, you know, a lot of people, are, they knew they were having a boy. Everybody knew they were having a boy. So the thing they wanted to keep secret was the child's name. So everybody was playing all these games, like trying to find out the name, you know, like trying to, you know, when, when Johnny's born, you know, or something else, like trying to throw out names, just trying to catch him. And, and they were, they wouldn't give in. They wouldn't give it. So we have them over for dinner and, you know, we were visiting with them. They're really close friends of ours. And so finally after the dinner, you know, we start playing the What's the first letter game? You know, trying to, trying to get something out of them. So finally, they're, they're just like, you know what, guys? Like, we trust you and your wife to keep a secret, Heath. It's killing us. Like, we've got to tell somebody, right? Like, we have to tell somebody. So, so they shared with us the name of their child. So for the next three, four months, like, we're like a vault. You know, we're, we're, we got it locked down. We're not sharing it with anybody. So again, first baby, their first baby, big family, Second, third baby, you know how it goes. Like, nobody goes to the hospital, right? They text us when you have it, right? But, but first baby, like, everybody's there bringing you food, bringing, you know, everybody's excited. So their whole family's there. They're all gathered around. 
And they're all there because they want to be the first to know his name, right? So, so they find out the name, they have the baby, boom, find the name. So now the whole family is in the, the little waiting area, like putting some of their closest friends on like speakerphone, and they're all in the speakerphone room, like waiting to share with everybody the name. So they call my wife and I, you know, put us on speaker so that, you know, Aaron can hear at the same time. So I put on speaker and they're like, okay, so are you ready for his name? And I was like, well, we already know his name. I, we just want to know how big he is. Yeah, the silence on the other end was like, all of a sudden, Joanna was like, you what? You, you knew the day. Um, on, did I say, I, I mean, what's his name? You know, it's like, once it's out of the bag, it's too late, right? Like it was, boom, it was over. But, but secrets are like that, right? They're sometimes just so hard to keep. I'm sure some of you are familiar with one of the most famous teachings of Jesus, it's sometimes referred to as the, the Sermon on the Mount or the Teaching on the Mount. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to get there in just a second. So if you want to get a head start, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. But, but in this famous teaching of Jesus, in, in the sixth chapter, he's already been in this sermon for, or this teaching, the sermon for just a little while. And then in the sixth chapter, he, he shifts gears a little bit. And he actually does something that I don't know if you're aware of or if you've ever really paid much attention to, but, but Jesus in this teaching, asks his followers to do something for him, to keep some secrets. You're going to see it as we follow along in this text. I want you to, I want you to be looking for it, but you're going to see it's going to jump out at you now that I, I pointed it out to you. You're going to see where Jesus actually is, is telling us is in this teaching telling us that he actually wants us to have secrets that are only between him and us, that we don't share with anybody. Look, look with me in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. He says, Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're going to stop here for just a second because I want to point out the, the, the shift that has happened. So in, in, in chapter 5, Jesus is teaching that all of those who have been following him, right? They're, they're, people have been following from all over. He's got his disciples with him. There's crowds with him. And he's teaching him, them something. And, and in chapter 5, he focuses on one way of learning that the people have learned. And then in chapter 6, he shifts gears a little bit. So it, it's kind of like this. In, in chapter 5, it's like he's addressing those things that have been taught. Like someone taught them these things, and so they're doing them. In chapter 6, he switches, and he says, so these are some of the things that have been caught, right? Like we catch some things. We see people doing some things, and we start to do them. So on Father's Day, it kind of works, and it fits. Like I'm a dad. I've got a three-year-old son and a, and a daughter who's about to turn six. There are things that it blows my mind 
how many things that, that you can teach your kids audibly, but how many things they catch right, from seeing you do them, right? So most men don't carry purses, and so I've got my kids with me. I don't have a purse, you know. I don't carry the diaper bag all the time. And so when my kids have messes, I taught them the male instinct way of survival, right? You get something on your hands, you've got clothes, right? You, you go right here with it, okay? You've got something all over your mouth. I don't have a baby wipe. I don't have a napkin. You use this part of your sleeve. You, you, so my wife has my daughter all the time when I'm with her, but guess what? My wife has a purse. So when she gets my daughter and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's too late because my daughter's already done one of these numbers. And it's, where did you learn that? You know, she's got to tell on me, right? Like, well, dad, you know, it's like, oh, so there's so many of my, my, she wanted to learn how to chew sunflower seeds. That's great. She can't break the seeds out yet, but I can teach her how to spit. The only, the only problem is she learned really well and, and she does it when, you know, just in the pool, you know, like just doing it all the time. And it's like, well, who taught you that? Dad, you know, so it's like, quit telling on me. Right. But, but there are certain things that it's crazy how quickly our kids catch them right? So here in this teaching, to people who are wanting to follow God, in this sermon, Jesus points out something. And in chapter 5, he says, you have heard that it was said, right? You've been taught this. You've been taught that, 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 that you shall not commit adultery, but then Jesus shifts it and he says, I want to put a new twist on it. You know, don't, don't just consider adultery as one other thing, but, but let, me, let me explain what it looks like to actually to, to practice that. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, you know, love your neighbor and do, go through all. So all these things, Jesus is trying to teach them and explain even more all the things that they had been taught. And then in chapter six, he switches and he says, the things that you have seen. Did you hear it? And they're like, when you see, you've seen it from other people. You're going to hear it in the next couple of verses as we read on, that, that God's people had watched other people. And isn't that sometimes how it happens within the Christian life? Like, we don't have it all figured out, but we try to aspire to those who, who, who we see who have been following God for longer, right? We want to be like them and we want to do some of the things that they are doing. And so we, we catch some things. We watch people in practice. And here in these verses are three pillars, if you will, three important practices that the people of God in, in all history have tried to practice in some way, shape, or form. Giving, prayer, fasting. Like those aren't, those aren't like, hey, a getting started class on what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? Like you don't have, you know, Christianity 101 and you start with those things. Those are, are maturing people who are wanting to follow Jesus are going are gonna to practice those things because they are three things that connect us intimately with God, right? The sacrificial giving. Giving is, is an opportunity to be more like God. Prayer connects us intimately to God's heart, communicating with him. Fasting is something that we're saying, God, the things of this earth are not what I need right now. The, the things to put in my body are not what I need. I need a deeper connection with you. So I'm going to stop this and I'm going to keep myself from this to, to experience a deeper intimacy with you right now. So here Jesus is in this teaching and, and in this teaching, he's telling them something about how they have seen it done, but maybe they've seen it done for the wrong motives. 
Look as we go along. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious, catch this, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Did you hear it? It's really not a complicated text to understand, right? It's, it's really actually very simple. The, the difficulty in preaching this text is, is not trying to point out some mystery. The text is very clear. People in that day, just like people now, we, we have a tendency to be too much like people, right? We like to do things so that others know we're doing them and so that they can praise us for doing them. And so Jesus is saying, you know, all of your religious, some of your religious leaders, man, they're getting a kick out of, out of giving to the needy and going up with loud noises or, or letting you know just how much they sacrificed and gave to that needy family or to that needy homeless person or to that single mother or to that orphan or to that widow. And, and man, they love to let everybody know about how spiritual they are, about how much they pray and how much they, they let everybody know about it or, or how much they're fasting because they walk around and, and you, you feel like you have to go over there and hold them up because they're about to pass out because they haven't had food for 10 days and they've let you know right? Like Jesus is saying, like, these are the things that you've seen around you. And, and, and the danger here, Jesus is saying is it's not that doing any of those things is wrong. It's the manner in which they were being done. He's not saying we should stop giving publicly in church. He's not saying we should stop praying publicly in church. He's, he's not saying that, that, that before a mission trip or before a trip with you, that you should not fat. It, none of those things are coming out of this text. What, what Jesus said at the very beginning, you remember? He said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. It's the motives of the heart. It's the motive to be noticed by somebody. And what Jesus is getting at is as soon as the applause of men stop. So does the blessing. Because when you're doing it so that men will see and men will know and men will praise you, 
you have moved it from something that is so spiritual and so powerful of an intimate connection between you and God that you have made it something so earthly that when those earthly applause stop, so do the blessings that the people of God receive. So I tried this many years ago. I tried it, and I think I failed because I'm going to share that, but I, I tried this. I had a friend of mine who was going out of town for a long time, and he, he didn't have anybody to mow his yard because it's a rather large yard. And it's, Florida is like Indiana when the grass starts to grow, it doesn't stop, right? You, you just mow it and you walk back outside and you feel like you got to get the mower going and it's still like the motor's still hot, but you feel like you got to crank it up and mow it again. And so he was going to be gone for an extended period of time. And so I go down and I mow his yard. Didn't tell anybody, just went down and mowed his yard. So he gets back from vacation and he's, I heard him talking about before he left, like he was dreading the fact that his mower probably wasn't going to cut the grass, that he was going to have to bail it, like right when they got back. Like it was just, he was going to have hay because it was going to be that tall. So he gets back and he's so excited because he didn't spend all day before on the mower trying to rake up and clean the yard. And it's a big yard. It was like over two acres. So he's all excited. So he's going up to church and church and asking everybody who's got a lawn business, like, hey man, thanks for coming by and mowing my yard. And I heard him, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of intrigued at what's going on. And he's like, dude, I, I didn't come mow your yard, you know. So then he's getting more like trying to figure out, like now it's all of a sudden like this game. He's going around and asking all these people and I'm cracking up inside. Like I think this is so cool and so fun that he's having like this difficult time. Well, weeks and weeks go on. And it started bothering him that he couldn't find out who to thank. Like he'd been gone on over to his neighbors and thought, man, if the people at church didn't do it, maybe it was a neighbor. Like he can't find who did it. And he's trying to find out who to thank. And it starts to bother me, right? Because I'm like, dude, it was me. You still haven't come to me and, and like asked me. Like, hey, you know, I thought we were friends. Like, could I not have been kind enough? I mean, it was two acres, man. Like, you know, like... <laughs> It wasn't like an acre. It was a big yard. Like, and he didn't say anything to me. And I think at some point in there, because I'm sharing this now, at some point along the lines, I remember this. I remember somehow I helped him figure it out. Right? <laughs> and it was gone like that. The joy and excitement that I had for what I had done was gone as soon as his mouth stopped saying, well, thanks. But I thought for the whole time, what I wanted was that, right? Like I was so conditioned to think that's what I needed was this, that I went for it. And when I did, it was gone. I think that that is what Jesus is trying to teach us trying to teach his followers in this, that there is something so powerful and so intimate that happens when we keep certain things secret between us and God. Like there's something that connects us through, through giving and through prayer and through fasting, like three things that are so pivotal and important to our intimacy with God. It's almost like God is saying, when you do them for the wrong reasons, you absolutely miss out on the blessing that God has in store for you. Because what you're craving is for the praise and the honor of men. And when you get it, it's gone as fast as it came and it's gone. 
And from God's vantage point, you've got all you are after, and that's it. I could be totally wrong in this. But I know you've heard Rob say it a thousand times that context is king, right? He talks about context. I could be absolutely wrong in this, but verses 19 through 21 don't make sense to me outside of the context of what comes before it. And I've always understood those verses to be about change and money clinging around in a safe or something that I put away. But this text, have you heard it multiple times? You will have no what? Reward. There's something in here that God is saying there's immense value. There's immense value in what is taking place when we keep these things between us and God. And if you look at verse 21, listen to this from a different vantage point other than just money. Listen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The word for treasures there is a place that you put valuable, worthwhile, worthy things, okay? So maybe read it this way. I could be wrong, but I'm just... Do not store up for yourselves praises and applause of men on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For what For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Maybe I'm totally off on this. But it's almost like God is saying to those who want to be intimately connected, because secrets are something intimate, right? Like secrets just in their nature have that like intimate connection. It's almost like Jesus is trying to say that so many times in the past and maybe in the present now that we miss it as human beings because we do some of the most intimate, powerful things that God has given to us for the absolute wrong reasons and we get the very thing out of them that we're seeking and it's just the praise of men and God is trying to tell us as his people I have so much more to give you and bless you if you would just take those things that are so powerfully intimate with me and you that you just keep it secret because doesn't God want us to be intimately connected with him right Don't we believe that we have a father that wants to pour out his blessings on us? And in this text, he is telling us the key to unlocking it. In this realm right here, he's telling us the key. It's just, you have to hear it differently. You can't hear it as a preacher up here asking you from the very get-go, can you keep a secret, right? You have to hear it like this. You have to hear it as this audience did in the very beginning. You have to hear it as Jesus saying to you and me, Can you keep a secret? Can you keep a secret? Because it's like Jesus is saying to us, if and when we do, the value and the riches and the wealth that he wants to let us experience in that are so much greater than anything we can experience on this earth from people saying or people telling us how great and how holy and how spiritual we are. 
So, here's the question. Can we keep a secret? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being a God who, who, who wants us to connect with you so much that, that you'll give us teachings that seem so simple and yet they're so hard. They're so hard to live out in this flesh. But, but God, I believe that you, you taught this to, to everyone who was following you then, Jesus, because you, you knew there was so much that they were missing out on as people. And God, you don't want us to be in that situation. You want us to experience the full blessing and riches and glory that you want to bless us with. So Father, I pray for each and every one of us. I pray that God, our motives, our motives would be changed and transformed to where what we are doing, God, we are doing solely to get closer to your heart, to be more and more like you, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.